Okay, okay, turn it off, turn it off. We don't want to offend any of our liberal friends out there with racist songs such as Jingle Bells. Yeah, folks, yeah, that's true. Welcome to L Police Radio. I'm your host, Alpha Mike. On our last day, our last uh, series of uh, the Ivy League of Domestic Terrorism. Now, in our first two segments... Of this series, we talked about the uh, political left and their agenda. We specifically spoke about a terrorist incident that occurred in New York City with the subway bomber. And uh, we spoke about Mayor Big Bird, Governor Domo, and uh, some of the other puppeteers in the liberal government. Uh, series number two, we also continued with the liberal government and their agenda of giving $15 gift certificates to Dunkin' Donuts after you have gone through your arrest and your criminal process in court, a survey um, totaling up to about $900,000 in taxpayers' money in New York City, remember, the old adage, be careful what you ask for, you might get it. And they got it. And Mayor Big Bird, of course, right after the terrorist bombing, has no recollection of anything about no gift certificate for Dunkin' Donuts. Who, where'd that come from? What? Yeah, folks. And now we're going to conclude everything. We're going to put it for you in a nice pack package. I can guarantee you, as you follow our pod- podcast, you will hear more about the crazy left. You can't keep up with it. You can't make this stuff up, people. They are on a collision course with this uh, government of ours, the United States of America. They're on a collision course with the Constitution. They hate the country. And they're doing everything in their power to ruin this country. And we will expose it as we go along. Of course, we're on the subject of law enforcement. So in our wrap-up session, we're also going to talk about the FBI, local law enforcement, and state law, law enforcement as well, and how the leftist socialist agenda is slowly trying to cripple law enforcement agency, weaken its power, and the ultimate goal, what in the world it could be. You know, recently I had the opportunity to view two 
in my research for, for this, I went to Netflix. And if you go to Netflix and you go to the documentary section, I would venture to say, in my estimation, that over 80% of the documentaries there are off to the left somewhere. All of them with some type of agenda. So it's kind of hard to look at these things. And, you know, you look at the caption of what they're all about, what the storyline is. You can't really tell. Sounds good, but you really don't know. So you dive in. And I've dived into some others that, uh, quite frankly, I didn't stand 10 minutes of it, and I just turned it off. Uh, I thought that if I would have stayed there a little longer, a green barrette would have grown out of my head, and my beard would have had little patches on it, and all of a sudden a cigar would have popped out of my mouth if I kept on listening. So I turned it off. But there are two that stand out that I did endure through the documentary looking for uh, the message. One of them is called Cop Watchers. And it's a group uh, that, of course, the documentary is in the New York City area that they're going around watching cops because of the injustices, because of the beatdowns, because of this, blah, 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 blah. And um, they're probably most likely uh, organized in other cities uh, as well in the United States. But when you look at the documentary, you kind of look at people and they try their best to make these people look like just regular citizens trying to make ends meet. (laughs) Totally defiant and radical in their thought process. And somehow they're maintaining multiple in in the hundreds of arrests. And for anybody out there listening, one arrest could financially ruin you because you probably couldn't muster up three or four hundred dollars. But these people seem to go in and out of jails like nothing. You start to wonder. What's behind this cause? And most importantly, who's footing the bill? So they go out and they record police officers in their wacky agenda. Now, I believe that if there is such a group and you do want to educate citizens, you should educate them on what the proper process is for a complaint within that agency or external within the state structure or within the federal government structure. But there's a lot of avenues and a lot of forms you can fill out for a complaint. If you had added footage to that, more the power. But these people are a little bit better organized. They flank police officers in different directions. They go out in squads. They have radio communication and high-speed cameras. But it looks, or it seems to me, that if they had to survive day-to-day on income, 
it would be a tough drive. Let's just say if they were to relocate, it wouldn't happen. So what's the economic driving force behind this element? Curiosities there. They expose a couple of uh, what they call police injustices and so forth. I do encourage you to watch it because I want you to see these individuals that they do exist. They are defiant to law enforcement officials. They kind of mix message. So here's the liberal left and how they work. They give you mixed messages. So I show you a documentary and you might see something on the documentary in a police interaction with use of force that for all intents and purposes, based on what you know and what you've seen, police might have been wrong in carrying out that use of force. But again, based on what you've just seen and what you know. And then within that message in the documentary, they start to hit you with their propaganda of why, call the action. You need to grab a camera too and go get a green barrette and come out here and join us. And you start to wonder what this is all about. And it's alarming because it's well organized. And when I think about the term being organized, and you see as their photographer, you know, their cameras and all these other. Uh, sophisticated equipment that they might be using, they know the law, they know certain aspects of it, so that means they're being coached. And the coach are the real wizards behind the magic, and that's the Ivy League that are teaching how to become defiant to law enforcement and in case of an arrest, how we may be able to get you off the hook. So I just encourage a defiant population to become more defiant. So let's look at our original position. Teaching people how to formulate and do proper complaints in police matters. There is a complaint as a subject as a victim, as a witness, teach them how to go through that. If you want to represent, represent. That's the fabric of our Constitution. But now we've got these sort of like bounty hunters going around with cameras. And if they don't exist, there will be no justice. So they go out and they demonstrate. And... You know, I hate to be the guy in the movie. You know, you buy those, what, what are they, $12, $13 tickets now? You're sitting in the movie, you enjoy popcorn, you're looking at the trailers to the, uh, the movies that are up and coming. The guy sitting behind you has got to tell his buddy in a loud voice, the beginning, the middle, and the end of the movie you're about to see. Hey! So I don't want to ruin it to a whole lot, but I do want to get some things out there. And one of the messages I want to get out there is there's no way, there's no way that any retard out there can actually believe that just as 
this is just a random group of citizens banding together to fight the evil forces of an illicit police department committing crimes. It's just not credible. No, it's an organized effort that is financially organized and legally organized. All they need now are the idiot victims to go out there and go rack up the multiple arrest and hit the button on the camera. That's all they need. And boy, do we got idiots lined up that can't wait to do that. Interfering with police matters. Now, the other side of the script. I cannot say it again, and I will continue to stress this over and over. Police officers in this country need to be well-versed. That means well-trained in the aspect of how to deal with criminal element in a public place and how time is their enemy. If you're going to conduct an arrest, you got to go in there, conduct that arrest, and get out of there. And you have to be very alert of what you say, what you do, but not to the point that you can become a victim yourself. That is through training, training, training. One of the emphasis that I used to train on when I was an instructor in life-saving procedures is whether you're running to save someone's life or you're subduing somebody in a use of force, whatever complaint is being lodged by the subject, there should be a response to the complaint. Example, before I give the example, anybody out there know? Any any of you kids? Anybody want to raise your hand? Okay. Okay. An example of what I'm talking about is, I can't breathe. Now, it's not up to the police officer to say, well, if you said that, you can breathe. You're freaking fine. Baloney. Okay? That's goofery 101. Okay? And you don't want to be a buffoon here. You have to respond to it. Okay? Sir, we're trying to handcuff you. And then we can stand you up. You have to respond to the complaint. That's just one example. My handcuffs are too tight. There needs to be a physical inspection of it. And there needs to be a comment about the handcuffs, okay, to the subject at the time. Officers don't feel compelled to do that. They tighten the handcuffs. The bad guy's making all kinds of allegations. And uh, it sucks to be you get in the back of the car, file your freaking complaint like everybody else. And you're kind of inviting the problem. Because this is not about the subject. This is about the subject's lawyer. Okay? The lawyer. The lawyer. I used to teach it in uh, life-saving procedures. Okay, you want to be an active participant in a life-saving event if you're on camera. You don't want to be standing around playing with your radio, hand in your pocket, waiting for rescue or someone else to perform the rescue 
technique. If you're paid as a first responder, you have to start acting like a first responder. Clear the scene and start the procedure of CPR, okay? Remembering that there will be eyes that will scrutinize you later. And I'm not really concerned about eyes of my fellow coworker or even my administration, and especially in a life-saving event, because that's the goodwill. You know, I'm doing the best I can with what I have. I'm more worried about the lawyer, the lawyer that's going to go ahead and scrutinize the curriculum, how I got trained versus what I did. Look for holes, and there's holes in everything, and manipulate the situation. Once they get a ruling, they go out and teach the masses. Get it? Right. So our training sections all around the country need to wake up and start teaching the new curriculums. Not really happening. Some agencies really don't even have de-escalation. And when I'm referring to de-escalation, I'm not talking about the use of force de-escalation. I'm talking about the crisis intervention de-escalation. What? There's two of them? Yeah, there are two. One is verbal and one is the physical action of breaking away. Okay? So officers have to be better trained, better trained in how to deal with this element. So when we go into 2018, we're going to do a big bunch of broadcasters on, you know, training and what I'm talking about. And there is a fantastic documentary that I just recently saw, and it deals with the Los Angeles Police Department, but what it deals about is all the things that your agency should not do if they want to survive. LAPD, during this time frame of this documentary, was so arrogant and so unprepared, and it, it just continued within the history of their agency that they were getting hammered um, in court and they were getting hammered in the press and they were getting hammered because their training was not up to par and their command staff were stuck in a time warp sometime in the 1960s. And those two combinations created a big mess. But more on that in the future. Now, another documentary that I saw in preparation for this uh, podcast is called Terror, T-E-R-R-O-R, and the T's in parentheses, and that's on Netflix, and you can see that. And basically, uh, to be a a movie spoiler, it's about um, a freaking lowlife that the FBI use in an effort to kind of infiltrate uh, Muslim communities looking for potential acts of terror. So there's a lot of avenues that the feds are going to use, but one of them is let's look for Muslims that are freaking low lives, but they can go in and out of the mosque and hang out in the community. All we have to do is get the goods on them. So they got one such creep, they caught him, and 
all of a sudden he's going, you know, you're looking at 20 years because, you know, I don't know, what, I can't remember what the hell he was doing, something about playing in the post office. So you're looking at 20 years or you can cooperate with us as soon as they found out that Mr. Torres was a Muslim. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Mr. Torres is a Muslim, converted. And there's a lot of conversions. There are white people that are converting. There are Hispanic people that are converting. There are blacks that are converting. A lot of people converting. I wonder why. A lot of it has to do with a hate message. In the documentary, you see they go back to the early beginnings of the Black Panthers and Malcolm X and how people got in that movement and what that message was all about. Well, that was the callous, the calluses for what is occurring today. That was the push. That is the push for now. And all those entities, as they become radicalized, and you're in this country, you have to be protected. Because if you're not protected, you're going to be basically plucked out and arrested. So they are protected by whom? Whom, boys and girls? Anybody have the answer? If you have the answer, just go ahead and raise your hand. Look at that. Pretty good, pretty good response. They're going to be protected by the Ivy League that are going to tell them their rights. So to continue here on the documentary, uh, this individual goes undercover for the FBI they basically give him a location, a cell phone. They supply this uh, individual, I almost said something I shouldn't, uh, with money. And uh, he's looking for a big payout, you know. He even says it on the documentary. I'm looking for a two, dollars $300 payout, man. $200,000, 300000 you know. Last time I spoiled it. So this is a professional manipulator. And he tries to infiltrate a group. But this ass is so stupid that he is doing an interview with the documentary film crew, which is following him around, filming him as a confidential informant of the FBI, and the FBI doesn't know anything about it. And therefore... This guy thinks, well, I got one over on them. I, I, I guess he had a bad experience, so he figured, let me let me get hooked up with this documentary, and I can prove what the FBI wanted me to do. So he goes out and and, and does his his um, his thing, going into an area in Pittsburgh and and trying to infiltrate. Uh, you know, he goes to the mosque, he does all that stuff. He starts to uh, befriend um, the suspect that the FBI is looking at. Now, everybody at the mosque tells him, oh, he's no good. You know, the guy's a, a regular scumbag. And uh, that is a white Anglo, which has been radicalized and now converted Muslim, which his real name is James Marvin Thomas Jr., and then he's changed it to blah, 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 whatever the hell it is. And I wouldn't even dignify any of this by even calling their names out. How about that one? So 
uh, you know, this idiot that grows his red beard and shaves his mustache and walks around uh, with the uh, with the outfit on, radicalized and so forth, has uh, various possessions of uh, criminal offenses, and one of them, I believe, had something to do with weaponry. I'm not, I don't really recall right now. So anyways, a low life. And he tries to infiltrate, befriend him. But now all of a sudden, unbeknownst to our, our uh, Spanish Muslim undercover FBI operative, the, FBI, uh, the film crew is now secretly filming the subject, which is James Marvin Thomas Jr. And he's doing an interview with the film crew. And the film crew even says, nice disclaimer, by the way, that unbeknownst to the, the, the undercover operative, we are filming the subject. Are you kidding? I, I hope nobody at the FBI swallowed this crap. So anyway, it goes on and goes on. And you see when the heat, the flames start reaching the, the area of the buttocks, uh, all of a sudden, everybody is copping deuces. They want to get rid of the uh, Spanish undercover operative because he's a freaking buffoon. He blames the FBI for blowing his cover with uh, somebody else that they introduced in there. This is how buffoonery, and I've always said this, there's something sinister over at the FBI. During the documentary, they provide another undercover operative, which is somebody else. He is of Muslim, uh, Arabic descent, and they bring him in. Now, he must have got picked up for something else, and the FBI goes, you know, you play good with us, or else you're going to get it. And he got arrested. But when he is introduced to the suspect they're trying to get here, he gives him a phone number. The suspect, not being that stupid, Guess what he does? He takes the phone number. Now, he's already got his suspicions with the Spanish undercover guy, okay? Kind of pushing him to do things. So he's got, you know, he's one up. And now they introduce two. Here's the second guy, my good friend. I barely know his name, but he's my good friend. And he gives me a number, and I write the number down, and then he goes to Google and he throws the number in Google, and it comes up with a story about how so-and-so, and I'm not going to dignify their names, gets arrested by the FBI in a sting operation. The idiot's using the same phone. Yeah, I thought so. It's amazing. So obviously, our suspect, James Marvin Thomas, has already figured out the heat's on his buttocks. This is... Both of them are trying to get him. So he exposes them to the Muslim community, and he sends out thousands of emails to potential whatever they are now out there in the community to be on the lookout for these two. So the whole operation went to wax. And what the FBI uh, eventually does, as soon as the suspect lawyers up, and they show him in the in the lawyer's office, talking to the lawyer, and the lawyer coaching him on what to say and what to do. Only problem is, the lawyer 
He's a freaking buffoon because he should have said, you got any priors? And, and he kind of missed all that. He was too busy talking about the FBI case. The idiot posted him a picture of himself with a, a rifle, I believe an AR, um, a, um, AK-47, and he's shooting it in some uh, shooting range. And he got, he's a felon. So the feds got him on that, and off he went off to eight years of community service in federal prison. So I want you, I would like, if you have the time, to watch it. And the reason I want you to watch it is for you to be educated on how the FBI, number one, works, number two, how these criminal element even exist in this country. Some of them are radicalized. Some of them are coming here through chain migration, but some of them are homegrown idiots, which is freaking scary in itself. And a lot of them hate the country. They're a part of the hate group out there, and they become radicalized. As an instructor down in Miami-Dade, we used to have and I don't know if they still do it, and if they don't, I, I would hope they do, they would have the FBI come and give a four-hour, about three to four-hour course on indicating the officers kind of signs that they need to look at if um, people that were trying to radicalize or convert individuals within the jail system. And it was... Very well put. I think uh, one critique I might have with it, I became very friendly with the instructors that were FBI agents. And, I, you know, I congratulate them and, and, and their efforts, and, and they must have been doing it around the country. But the only thing that was a little alarming was it was the same material over and over. It wasn't upgraded, and that was, to me was concerning. I had seen the same thing over for about four or five years. And I was saying, when do we get the new video? You know, when when does this stuff get upgraded a little bit? But basically, a lot of these groups of domestic terrorists are recruited from jails and prisons. Not everybody bites. A lot of people kind of ignore it once they get out of the system, but some do. And there have been 500 arrests by the FBI since 9-11 to the present on domestic terrorists. And 50% of that, they were using these confidential uh, I spy idiots. And the other 50, they arrested them through other means, probably electronics and so forth. And a lot of them are radicalized in jails and in prisons. It's a, it's a cesspool. And because of their constitutional rights of having the freedom of religion, they are given certain materials within the jail facilities or prison facilities. And a specific Koran uh, is the one that they use, which it's easier to them to get radicalized and so forth. And of course, they got enough uh, people within the system to continue the education process 
and of course slip them the card on the way out so they can continue their evil ways. <coughs> Excuse me. And then they all of a sudden get more and more into this. That's not the only way they do it. They also do it in some communities as well. And through these communities that are being heavily driven by um, people of the Muslim faith, they are grabbing other aspects, other cultures in there. So you can't really say that a domestic terrorist has a specific profile. Of course, they'll be prone to one profile more than another, but they can come in different nationalities, looks, and so forth. Look at all the terror attacks that have occurred in the United States. And not all of them have been um, the stereotypical terrorist. So that means that these evil forces are working in tandem with something internal that educates them. There's no terrorist sitting in some hut or in some cave in some mountain that will transmit a message that all of a sudden somebody here eternally will pick up and know exactly what to do. No, folks, there's help along the way, and that's through the Ivy League to teach them their rights and so-and-so. So it's kind of like a, uh, the rules, the rules of engagement, how to play the game, and it's dangerous. It really is. So there's a lot to do in that front, and hopefully that the FBI and we see how terrible the rank and file is on the top. They're too busy looking at voters' registration cards of their own and not really paying attention to what they need to look at. I have faith in that law enforcement community. There's been a lot of strange things going on. And last thing I just reported is that the uh, DEA was told to stand down on narcotics investigation of some terrorist group, Hospilar or something, because the Iranians were offended and who, whatever the hell it was. So how the government told a specific law enforcement agency, stand down because it's going to ruin our negotiations with Iran on all kinds of things, but one of them, of course, nuclear development. And they did. They did, they, they did as ordered. And now, of course, you know, Congress has that one-liner. Boy, they're good at it. We're going to investigate it. So that means you never hear about it, no, no arrest, nothing will ever happen. But how do they get a free pass? See what I'm saying? They are politicians that reach that level, have that crazy ideology, and now start to put pressure on law enforcement to do certain things. In the local community, um, you could see with uh, Mayor Big Bird over in New York City, quality of life issues are really not uh, challenged anymore. So um, you see them pretty much uh, doing the things that uh, the, the community, doing things that are, were illegal at one point, now are overlooked. You know, so vendors in the streets and uh, Three Con Monty and all this other baloney. And that's quality of life issues. 
and he's kind of eroded that and put a lot more pressure on law enforcement to justify itself. So pretty much you put on your uniform, you go to work, and from the time you go to work and you start your tour of duty, you have to justify your existence. And that's the kind of pressure they put. And then we have the, the wacky governors as well that they go out and put out um, strange little edicts and so forth. And, um, you know, they kind of bend and twist like they did in Virginia. And um, the outcomes are not very pretty. So who are some of these groups that we might have uh, spoke about? A lot of people are waiting. And the list is long and the names are changing because this process is, is ongoing. But... Uh, Here's a couple of them, and um, you have the ACLU. Now, I know there will be a lot of people out there, hey, ACLU has done a lot of good. Really? If there's any type of evil vermin on this planet, is a lawyer with a bent initiative to bend the law <laughs> to get somebody out of what they know they're absolutely guilty of doing, but they didn't follow the rules. So the lawyer gets you off the hook. And the ACLU is one of those. They are constantly bursting the balloons of law enforcement. If your jurisdiction is a liberal jurisdiction, kiss that crap, whatever you were doing, goodbye. And if your area is a little bit more conservative, then you have half a chance. So ACLU, they're out there. They're constantly looking. I would concentrate on the ACLU, all these things that they want to do to erode enforcement. And ask yourself the fundamental question is why? Why? When did the law all of a sudden become dirty? So you have it on the books. It's expected to be enforced. But now here comes the ACLU and they'll tell you that it's petty and it shouldn't be enforced and why is, you know, and blah, 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 and the officer's actions and dick 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 And all of a sudden they got, a, they got an audience. And that's all they need. There's not win or, or lose here. It's about an audience. And that's what they're going to try to go. Our next group is the Southern Poverty Law Center. Okay, and there's nothing poor about that place. Very well funded by George Soros and our leftist group out there. And most of everything out there that's wrong with um, this left has something to do with uh, you know, the George Soros influence of money. And they're out there as well. Black Lives Matter. Um, it's another front group. A lot of people that are involved with that group don't even know why they're there. Now, they might have a personal attachment to the group. There might be a fundamental internal reason why they're a part of the group. Misled, most likely, in my opinion. But they're a part of the group. But there are many others that know the actual absolute agenda of the group is to destroy the fabric of enforcement in this country. And too many people are raising their hand and saying, I want to do that too. 
Now, there's a doctor out there by the name of Dr. Ron Martinelli, and he wrote a book called The Truth Behind the Black Lives Matter Movement and the War on Police. And it's a good book. He kind of identifies who they are, their funding, how they operate, how they started, where they're going. And it's a very good read. Um, I don't really want to spoil that for those that want to read it, but it is not being, it's not naive in law enforcement who these groups really belong to. So they're out there. Again, as we wrap up our segment, I can't say it enough. You, as a citizen of this country, of the United States of America, have an obligation to vote based on your principles. And if that candidate that you're voting for doesn't have your principles, my personal opinion, you shouldn't be voting for them. And if you vote across party lines, that's another problem also. You don't vote for people because of a party line. Why? Look at the Democratic Party. They lost their party to a bunch of socialist leftists. Okay? They lost it. They were so want to, you know, serve the world, everybody's good. Uh, 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 uh. They lost their party to a bunch of socialists. And it's getting worse and worse over there. So it all boils down to the American citizen and what we allow and what we should not allow. And when you start seeing top officials of the FBI with crooked agendas, an alarm should go off. Now, I know that there are people out there saying, no, that's not true. They're trying to investigate the president for the issues of Russia. Okay, great. We're into a year and a half of this. Can we bring one freaking piece of evidence other than General Flynn lied to the FBI? That has nothing to do with the freaking case. A year and a half into this. <laughs> Try that locally. See how that'll work for you. Okay? Stretch out an investigation. Keep on pulling this. See how fast your superiors tell you where to go. It's baloney. And for those that want to profess that it's real, you need your head examined. Okay? This isn't Watergate. This isn't Richard Nixon. Okay? This is a bunch of BS from the left, from the left, to kill the fabric of America, from the left. Listen, it's so bad, 90% of Americans are looking at a tax cut. And out of the 90 percentile that's going to get a tax cut, this is what you get from the left. Well, it's only $1,000. Really? How many tax cuts did you get? Uh, the last eight years. Ooh. I thought so. So, how can you say, and the Democratic Party's out there on TV talking about that the Republicans and this and that and the tax cuts for the rich and blah, blah, blah. Then you got a segment of the left defending the high taxes in California and New York are going to kill us because you can only deduct $10,000. But I live in Northern California, and I've got a million-dollar home. What? Huh? 
Huh? Hello? This thing working? Get it? Get the picture? So, it's not about a party. It's about a personal agenda. And a sinister agenda. And I can't say that enough. Folks, we've reached the end of our segment, the Ivory League of Domestic Terrorism. There's so much to cover. I want you, if you wanted to learn anything from this series, is to pay attention to what you see and what you hear, especially on the media. Listen to it. Scrutinize it. Look it up for yourselves. Don't take it for granted that what they're saying is the absolute truth. There is a sinister agenda in this country to tear away at the fabric of the United States citizen, the Constitution, and the country. The military has suffered tremendously in these last eight years. Our Constitution has suffered tremendously in these last eight years. Economically, we were all suffering these last eight years. Folks, that was the appetizer to socialism. Ask any Cuban, ask any Venezuelan, they'll tell you what socialism is. They might even have pictures to show you if you don't believe them. Folks, it's time to have the conversation. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the promises that God has for us. He basically tells us not to fear. Not to fear everything that you see, everything that you hear, and everything that you think might happen, especially if you're in law enforcement. You know, it's becoming more and more difficult to become a law enforcement officer. A lot of the career officers are leaving or retiring. The new ones that are coming in have always had a dream and aspiration to become an officer, but it's a different era. This era has to deal with social media. They have to deal with a growing segment of the left looking to ruin them, making their job much more difficult than what it is. And as a result, it becomes difficult. But the Lord tells us to fear not. He is with us. And it's so important to be in that walk we recently celebrated Christmas. But you know how everybody says the reason for Christmas is Christ and Jesus is the reason. But do they mean it? 
the early Christian church kind of celebrated, not what we celebrate as Christmas, but they celebrated the birth of Jesus, the living God coming down to earth in flesh for us, and they would celebrate it with praises, hymns, singing. Not food, not liquor, not presents, no ho-ho-ho, no reindeers. Those are the things are to keep you blind and off the subject. We're trivializing too many things. Halloween's only for children. Christmas is a fun time of the year. And we're forgetting that sinister, sinister beings are always out there trying to steal our everlasting eternal life. And therefore, we're given messages on certain items and certain things. If you celebrated Jesus, then I agree. But there's so many people. You know, I recently had a question posed to me, was Jesus born on the 25th of December? God doesn't have a birthday. He is. He's always been. And he will always be. The Bible doesn't tell us to celebrate it. No, it doesn't. And in Jeremiah chapter 10, it talks about the Christmas tree. Read it. Open the book. Don't be afraid. Jeremiah chapter 10. Read it. Perfect description of a Christmas tree. But at the end of the verse, God tells us it does nothing bad, but it does nothing good. Don't do as the world does. Now, I'm not here to be Scrooge and ruin your festivities. I'm just trying to say, when the troubled times that we live, you have to be prepared for something that might come. The best preparation you can have is a relationship with the Almighty. Confessing your sins to Him, nobody else. There's no intermediate the Bible tells us that the only intermediate from us to God is Jesus, no one else. And confessing your sins, repenting of your sins, acknowledging that it is painful that you have pained God with your actions, and then becoming reborn new. The Bible says to be reborn is to be like a child again. The innocence of a child. Take a child, two, three years old. They misbehave and you spank them. They cry. And after a certain couple minutes, they go back and they want to play with you and they hug you. Do that when an adult and see what you get. They won't speak to you for the rest of your life. See, innocence of a child. That's why God refers to the beginning of a walk and the journey with Jesus as being a child. Folks, if you've enjoyed it, if you want to hear more, it's L Police 
radio.com. We're on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on all that. Twitter, Twitter, L, capital L, police, R. That's the handle. Go on there, punch in there. Or Alpha Mike 2017, lowercase, all one word, uh, on Twitter as well. We kind of post things that we're going to talk about. Our reference materials are always posted there. Like the end of this show on our website, lpoliceradio.com, we'll go ahead and post our reference materials so you can look at them. And uh, most of that stuff periodically during the week is posted on those Twitter accounts as well. So we encourage you to keep on listening. Our next series that we're going into, and that will lead us into January, the beginning of the year, and we will have the series called To Be or Not To Be. What in the world could that be? To Be or Not To Be. Two podcasts in this series, January 4th and January 11th. Every Thursday, you always wake up to a new podcast. The next series, To Be or Not To Be, don't miss it because it's talking about you. It's my, my pleasure. Continue looking up, fired up, and we'll see you soon. Enjoy the new year.